Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's only one authority on the Tennessee Titans, and that's the Tennessean. And there's only one show that's an authority, too, and you've found it. This is Talkin' Titans. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to the season-ending edition of Talkin' Titans. I'm Tennessean sports columnist Gentry Estes, joined by Titans beat writer Ben Arthur. How's it going, everyone? Ben and I weren't expecting to be here. I feel When I say that, I feel like the Titans players on Saturday night, Ben. They all came in one after another from Vrabel to all the players saying, we didn't, we didn't expect to be talking about the end of the season here. I believe them when they said that because I didn't expect to be talking about it either. I really thought the uh, Titans would do better against the Bengals than they did. I thought they'd win that game. They did not win that game, obviously. And talking Titans has now reached the end of the 2021 season. Yeah, Gentry, it's it's pretty crazy. I am in the same state as uh, the Titans. I, it's still, I don't, I still don't really think it, it's it has set in that the season is is over. But um, but you know, kind of thinking about that Bengals game, it, it was just such a tremendously like big opportunity that was missed for the Titans. You know, you obviously know from from the seeding standpoint, they're just two home wins away from making the Super Bowl, but you look at kind of all the excuses we were able to make uh, for the Titans just in terms of the injuries they had, you know, the 91 players used on the active roster uh, due to the injuries and whatnot that the most um, ever, excluding the the 87 strike season, the Derrick Henry injury, the Julio Jones being in and out of that lineup, A.J. Brown missing games. Um, you know, just so many things that they were able to, you know, that they still found success in spite of a lot of those issues. But in this playoff game against Cincinnati in this AFC divisional round, it was the time that they didn't have any more excuses, right? Derek was healthy. Julio was healthy. AJ was healthy. The defense that was, that really carried the Titans all season once again showed up, tied a playoff record with nine sacks. A.J. Brown, and I think this is kind of something that gets lost in the game. A.J. Brown actually broke the Titans' uh, single-game playoff record for receiving yards. Just everything kind of that you were kind of looking for, you got. And and because of turnovers, because of Ryan Tannehill's play, because of the play calling, quite frankly, uh, this season is over way earlier than it should have been. So... Um, I, that's the kind of sting uh, that that'll carry uh, the Titans into this offseason. You know, Ben, it would have been one thing, I think, had you lose this epic classic like the Bills on Sunday. You know, I, I know Bills fans are upset. Surely that was a, a you know a pretty brutal loss they dealt with. But at the very least, you felt like your team played its best. You know, Josh Allen, that offense showed what they were capable of doing. And it was, they just got, they just came up a little short at the end because the other team made one more play than they did. 
And got a coin flip. And yeah, coin flip. <laughs> but but in the Titans case, you can't be satisfied by what you saw from the Titans on Saturday. That was not an epic performance. They didn't play their best. And it was especially frustrating because of what you say. They did a lot of things right in that game that you would have said. If if you we'd said this on the show last week that the Titans are going to get nine sacks on Joe Burrow. Is there any any doubt in your mind they're going to win this game? I mean, not only that, you mentioned A.J. had a great game. Derek was probably a little rusty, but Deontay Foreman did pretty well. I mean, the Titans were effective in almost everything they wanted to do except turnovers from the quarterback position. And and as much as I – yeah, I've told people on radio interviews this week, and we're, we're, we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon, and, let's, and I'm just going to be honest, people are still upset. Like, they, like it's, it's really no better now than it was on Saturday around for, from what my perspective is. I think, it, and, and I think it's going to be that way for a while, Ben. This is going to be a tough one to get over. And I've told people, I, years ago, I played quarterback very poorly, okay? So I know what it's like to have your team play well, and you don't, and everyone blame you. So I get it. I'm usually the first one to not want to blame the quarterbacks, but you have to. You just do. You have to. It was such a terrible trio of interceptions at awful moments, too. I mean, like when it happened, first offensive snap, that place was electric. You had Derek jogging out. You had a huddle with with with, with him and AJ and Julio. You finally got the sense that, hey, the Titans are, are back. You know, they're going to do something. And I said before that play, as we were sitting there, Ben, I, I said, watch them go deep here. I, I could see the play action, throw it up. And they did run the play action and then throw it to the other team. Deontay Foreman has this great run. The place is electric later in the game. You throw it to the other team. You got a chance late, and again, you throw it to the other team. And it's just, you know, th- this is this is not going to be an easy one to get over. Yeah, it was it was quite um, unbelievable how Ryan was able to just kind of suck the life out of the offense in each of those with each of those interceptions and and we're not the only ones to talk about this gentry but you kind of look at is is what what's going to be the quarterback situation moving forward um it it seems like the titans have reached their ceiling with ryan Tannehill at quarterback they've been able to win a lot of games in the regular season with him uh what was it nine nine wins in 2019 they had 11 i want to say last year 12 this past season but in the games that have mattered most in the postseason they haven't been able to get over the hump and with his kind of a, what what's been like a drastic regression this past season i mean it's is really not looking good and and you there's a sense that you've kind of reached your peak with Ryan Tannehill as your guy that the challenge is now is you, you kind of have a, this win now roster, right? But you can't really move on from Ryan because of his contract, because of his contract, he's guaranteed. Uh, I'll say guaranteed to, to be with, with the Titans in 2022. Um, so the, the Titans kind of have a, a lot of questions to ask themselves. Do you, Go and and try and get a quarterback in the first round of this year's draft. I don't think they will. And and everyone has talked about how this is a weak quarterback draft. But do they go that route and and you know try and develop someone and for him to kind of take over uh, the the starting role in twenty twenty three? Do you try and 
trade some trade for someone or, or get like a tr- cheap uh, veteran free agent. I mean, a couple veterans that come to mind like Mitch Trubisky, um, Andy Dalton. I mean, guys that no one is kind of jumping out of their seats for, but someone who can maybe challenge him. Uh, kind of what the Titans have with uh, Tannehill and Mariota back in 2019. You kind of start thinking about all these scenarios because there is a sense that the Titans can't possibly go any further, um, you know, with with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, a lot to kind of unpack. I'll I'll, I'll say that, you know, uh, I want to mention a tweet from our colleague Terry McCormick because I thought felt like he explained it pretty well with the the situation with Tannehill. It was like the Titans are, are basically like you're driving your car and you get a get an fender bender. And it was bad enough to where you say, you know what, I'm going to get a new car. And you look in your bank account and say, now let's just fix it up and ride this a little bit longer. And that that is that's kind of where I think they're at. I think it, it, it sounds great to say, let's move on. But I think the reality of the situation from a cap standpoint is I just don't see a way to do that. I don't think it would be smart to throw a bunch of resources and, and draft capital at a Russell Wilson or even a Derek Carr or somebody who could potentially be available as a way to as a way to upgrade Tannehill with a proven quarterback. The draft angle, I think, is a little more uh, enticing to me uh, just because I think the fact that people don't respect the quarterbacks as well in this draft means there's a good chance that a good quarterback is going to be available at number 26. And if it, that's a big difference than having to move up and make a play for a guy that you're not sold on. But if 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 it falls to you at 26, one quarterback in particular I want to mention, and, and I know everyone's talking about Pickett from, from Pitt. The one that is intriguing to me is Matt Crowell from Ole Miss. Uh, when you watched him play this year, he had some Mahomes to him. He was he, The way he's able to move around and change, it, I, I – I'm not saying he's going to be Patrick Mahomes, but I would say from the standpoint of who would you compare his game to, it was a little bit like that. It was a playmaker, a guy who ran a lot and was able to to do things uh, unscripted. So I don't know how well that fits the Titans. I'm just saying there could be a number of guys with some intriguing upside available to them uh, at that 26 spot there? if that's what you want to do. Yeah. Oh, you, you kind of cut out for a quick second there, but I, I got the gist of, of what you were saying. Uh, yeah, I, I think that's definitely a route uh, they could um, end up going. Um, but Corral, I, I do like as well, and he, he, he seems to have that toughness that the Titans seem to value so much in, in Tannehill too. Um, but I don't know. Will they go that route? Maybe they'll, they'll go kind of mid-round, QB um, and go that way because, you know, you, you look at this draft, there are a lot of great offensive tackles. This is apparently a really deep tight end draft. They need a receiver. We saw what happened early in the season when there was no AJ and Julio, just how the passing game completely fell apart. Do do you need a QB in this draft bad enough to where you take one? over kind of one of those other needs. Um, I don't know. That's that's a question for the Titans to answer. But then also, in addition to the whole Ryan Tannehill situation, you kind of also have to look at the offensive coordinator 
situation. I, I know a lot of fans out there want Todd Downing canned. I, I don't think that will happen, especially with the way uh, Mike Vrabel spoke of him at his end of season press conference on Monday. Um, but I, I do wonder what kind of shakeup we could see on the offensive uh, side of the ball. Could we see uh, maybe a consultant type come in? We saw that 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 how that kind of helped uh, Shane Bowen uh, on the defensive side of the ball. It's still kind of unclear exactly how um, Jim Schwartz what exactly he was doing on a day-to-day basis, but with how Shane Bowen, Bowen was talking about him as a um, as a sounding board, a, a longtime defensive coordinator in the NFL, do the Titans maybe go that route on the offensive side of the ball um, to help uh, Todd Downing, who through two stints as an offensive coordinator has struggled? Or maybe you find a, a QB guru um, to kind of help, you know, as, as a maybe QB coach or, or some kind of, passing game uh, assistant there there are a lot of great QB coaches that could be available um I don't know but you also have to look at I think this offensive staff even if it at least right now it, it seems like Todd Downing will be back in 2022 just one quick reminder from what you're saying this team was 12 and 5 this year number one seed in the AFC uh one Obviously a bad performance and a loss to the Bengals, but I think you need to be careful not to overreact. And I think a lot of what we're talking about would be an overreaction. I, I think, you know, and I've heard all the criticism this week about Todd Downing. It's it's out there for sure. Uh, I've heard criticism, a lot of criticism this week about Mike Vrabel. That's out there too. And it was a bad loss. Uh, I think there's a, a real tangible sense of a fan base that's been let down as if they were buying back into the Titans and they got they get this was this was a major letdown but you need to be careful not to overreact to this the team that won 11 games followed by 12 games the next year and i actually don't think it would be a good thing to get rid of Todd Downing and and i say that as somebody who was not sold on that move when they made it. You remember, Ben, I talked all the offseason about how I didn't think that was the right move. The, the guy had been a coordinator one time with the Raiders, it didn't go well. From the standpoint of what I was expecting from Todd Downing, I thought he had a pretty good year. Um, given all that they went through offensively in terms of injuries, what they had to replace, I, everybody knows this stuff. But they also had a no line that didn't protect very well. I think one of if, if people are trying to sitting there trying to figure out why Ryan Tannehill regressed this year, that's why Ryan Tannehill regressed this, regressed this year. Hey, I don't think it had to do with the coordinator. I think it had to do with the fact that the O-line couldn't protect for him. And last year... And that was a, di- a big difference because in the past couple of years, the offensive line had protected extremely well for him. And it went from having some of the best protection in the league to some of the worst for a lot of this season. Now, it did improve as the season went on, but you cannot expect a quarterback to get beat up the way he did in some games this year. They're in the first half, two-thirds of the season, and not have it affect him. And I think, think it did over the course of the season. I think it didn't you know, devastate him, but he was not the same quarterback this year as he had been before. So I think the Titans really need to figure out their own line because, you know, we can talk about there, there could be some real personnel moves there. They need to figure out their protection. They need to figure out how to keep guys healthy on that side of the ball. But I don't think the offense is anywhere near as in need of repairs as the defense was this time last year. Yeah, I, I, that's, I, I think that's a, 
good assessment, Gentry. And yeah, the, the point about uh, the, the old line is a good one. And, and again, that kind of goes back to my point of Todd Downing, regardless of what I think, right? He's probably staying. That's why I think we could see some shakeup with the assistants um, and, you know, the, the O-line personnel. And But I, I think kind of the, the main thing is we know the Titans can win a lot of games with Ryan Tannehill. The point is, can they win when it matters most? Because since they've had him winning record, you know, he, he's gotten – single season, you know, quarterback records for, for the Titans and whatnot. It, it's kind of been about postseason, right? And and can you get over the hump? And I think that's kind of where the frustration is. Um, and, and yeah, I do think that can kind of get lost. And it, it, it is a kind of a tricky balance, right? Because you have won a lot of games with him, but you also know you, you haven't quite gotten um, to where you need to go. Um, and and we kind of touched on kind of the draft needs a little bit. The, the free agency picture is also going to be an interesting one because while I, I'll kind of agree with you, I, I do think this O-line could be in for a lot of change, but I think Ben Jones, you got to keep him, you know, at all costs. I, I think he's one of the most underrated centers in the NFL. He was the anchor of that group. He, he Of all the mistakes that group up front made, he wasn't one of them. Um, and then you also have to look at a guy like Harold Landry. We know it, it seems like you, you just want to keep this front four on paper together for, for 2022. But how realistic is that, right? Like you're already giving Bud Dupree over 16, mil, uh, 16 million a year. Harold Landry is going to be worth just about that, if not more, this offseason. Can you afford that? And you also have to consider you have to pay Jeff, um, not for this coming season, but but for the for the next season after that. Um, there, there are a lot of questions uh, in in terms of free agents that uh, will also kind of play a role. And then you know cap casualty candidates too, right? Like Taylor Lewan, Roger Saffold. Um, yeah, the, the the trenches I think on both sides of the ball is is going to be a, a really interesting. Um, how that develops because it wouldn't it, it, a lot of fans would be upset if like Harold Landry, for instance, wasn't re-signed, but I could also see the argument for why they can't re-sign him and they, they can't on him. maybe a Rashad Weaver and other guys to come in. I don't know. I'm they can't throw that out there. Yeah. Everybody just, just needs to accept that. They're not going to be able to re-sign Harold Landry. That's just not a, that's not a realistic thing. Certainly not off the season he had. He's going to want way too much money, and they're already yeah. But that was a decision that was made already by signing Bud Dupree to the contract that they did, and and Danico Autry to a certain extent too. And as much as I, I mean, Landry had a great year. He got himself paid, and the fact that he got himself so highly paid means he will not probably be on the Titans anymore because he can go. He will be able to go make a lot of money somewhere else, and. I think that's probably how that'll work out. Yeah, ben Jones, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you make an interesting point on Ben Jones. He was he, actually of all the free agents that are set to leave, uh, he was making more than any of them. Uh, his contract was in about six million. So I don't think you could give him more than that uh, if he wants to stick around um, for maybe a hometown discount. Maybe you do that, but. Um, you know, look, here's the issue on the O-line, and, and, and this is going to be some very difficult decisions because I, I could see it going either way. Yeah. But right now you have an extremely well-paid offensive line 
uh, that was the, the most expensive area of the team that they, they were sinking the most into the O-line of anyone. And do you think the O-line was the best unit on the team? Cause I don't by far. No, <laughs> no. And so you got to look at why, and you got to look at also a group where you love Taylor Lewan, you love Roger Saffold. These are good guys who, who have been a big part of the Titan success for a while, for the last couple of years in Saffold's case and for a lot longer in Lewan's case. But they're, Lawan's 30 years old, Saffold is 33, Ben Jones is 32. It is tough to pay the guy, pay as much money as they're paying those guys when you're getting into your early 30s and the O-line didn't do as well protecting the quarterback, did poorly protecting the quarterback for a large part of the season, added to the fact that those are both Saffold was a, Saffold and Ben Jones might have been the toughest guys on the team in terms of what they went through from an injury standpoint to continue to play. But again, when you're that age, that's going to happen. And the, the question is, do you pay Ben Jones six million dollars or do you bring in somebody about 10 years younger? And, and usually the answer for a lot less and usually the answer in the NFL is the second one. Yep, good, good point. And and we're here talking about potential needs for, for Titans in free agency. But before we continue, wanted to let you guys know about the new sports app we've launched as part of our USA Today family. USA Today Sports Plus is the new sports app that puts the fans first. Get the latest scores, stats, and standings and more by downloading USA Today Sports Plus from the App Store today. USA Today Sports Plus dot fan harder. Gentry, uh, uh, kind of another question, another position, I, I should say, that that's going to be an interesting one for the Titans is is cornerback um, on the defensive side of the ball. Um, they That side of the ball obviously made all the strides we've kind of talked about all year. But th- the cornerback situation is very interesting because you, you look at as dominant as that front four was, some some of the plays, the, those chunk plays they were giving up in the back end, all those explosive plays were a problem at, at times. Um, and they obviously got burned by Jamar Chase and whatnot a, a few times in that divisional round game. I think they're in for a, an upgrade at corner. I don't know exactly what that will look like, but... Uh, I think it's pretty clear at this point that Christian Fulton is going to be one of your guys. You know, Elijah is probably Elijah Molden is going to be that slot guy. But on the other side, it's interesting because you have Caleb Farley, who your first round pick last season or this past season, that you hope he can come back from his torn ACL and kind of be that guy. But I don't know. Maybe you bring in, you know, kind of a, a guy who has some experience, so so you're you're not getting too much of a drop off. I don't know. I, Jack Rabbit Jenkins is under contract for for another season, but I don't know. He could be a cap casualty. Um, I think that's going to be one of the most fascinating decisions in terms of how they try to upgrade that because you you don't. I don't think they try and get like a first or second round corner again, but. Um, how exactly they get the veteran presence they need at that spot is going to be, I think, one of the most underrated um, kind of aspects of this upcoming free agency period. Yeah, I think so. I think defensively they're in great shape this year versus where they've been the last couple of years. I, I think from a from a D line standpoint, and we we talked about Landry and and 
you, look, Harold improved each year that he was with the Titans and was a remarkably productive player. They're going to miss him if they don't have him. But I do think a lot of what Landry was able to do this year had to do with the fact that Danico Autry and for a lot of the time, Bud Dupree as well, were on the field as well. And, and I think that that helped him. Uh, he wasn't getting nearly as much attention from offenses that he probably was before. And, um, you know, really the, the Titans, they just kind of collectively figured out that that front four was as good as it was. And when they got that confidence and started playing that way, it was, it, it, it looked a lot different, a lot different. And they're going to get a lot of those guys back. Uh, but you mentioned, look, from the standpoint, and I agree with the Janik and the Janoris, I, I, I always call him Janoris Jenkins and he hates that. So we should call him Jackrabbit. Jackrabbit could be a, a cap casualty because uh, you mentioned earlier that they're going to have to pay AJ and Simmons. Those are two major, major deals that are out there waiting for the, for the Titans. They don't necessarily have to get it done right now. Simmons, you can do the fifth year and, and get him through 23. Yeah, correct. But AJ, I, it, it, it's for just the standpoint of they've earned it. Uh, you get these guys, it might make, you know, maybe the team doesn't have to do it right now, but I think from the standpoint of just optics around the team, you should do it. Go look, if you're listening to this, go look up what A.J. Brown and Jeffrey Simmons made versus some other guys on that team. And it is ridiculous. They're still on rookie contracts. A.J. is a second rounder. And so I think it's just right that the Titans should look to do something soon, at least with A.J. Uh, and and I think they should do it soon for both of them. But there's more urgency with A.J. than there is with Simmons. In, in any event, those are two massive deals. Both of those guys are going to command somewhere in the range of 15 to $20 million a year, probably against the cap, at least in Simmons' case. You're talking about a guy who could be the next Aaron Donald in a lot of a lot of NFL people's opinions. And in A.J.'s case, you're talking about a guy who, who legitimately could be a top-five receiver and, and, and how he's viewed. So they're both going to get paid big time. And I think the Titans – are going to need to they're, they're going to need to trim costs. They're already pretty close to the cap even when it's going back up this year because of the the deals that they pushed forward and restructured to try to get under the cap last year. They're certainly not alone in that. Most NFL teams did that. But I still think you're going to see the you're going to see the lingering effects of how teams had to approach the cap in a shortened cap year last year play into this year as well. Um, because of so many people rolled over deals that are going to hit the cap number a lot harder in 22 than they did in 21. Titans are no different than that. Tannehill, some other guys. So I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think it is going to be another cap casualty year, a lot like how last year was. And we went into last year not necessarily thinking, thinking maybe Malcolm Butler, but not Malcolm Butler and Adoree Jackson. And there's going to be decisions that have to get made like that too. And when you look at the, at what everybody's being paid, it would make sense in Jenkins' case. I, I, but I agree with you that, that how they handle corner is going to be a big, uh, going to be a, an underrated aspect of this offseason. And so much of it, again, hinges on Caleb Farley. You, 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 you need your top draft picks to be top draft picks, and the Titans have not had that the last couple of years, and they're in danger of having that really hurt them because it sure would be a lot easier to move on from Caleb Lewan if Isaiah Wilson was what they thought he'd be. Yep. Or if Dylan Radins did more, I mean, he had that one good yeah. game against the 49ers and that was it. Darrington Evans, two years gone just like that because of injuries. Um, yeah, I mean, the, these Titans, as we've talked about over and over and over again, I mean, the, they're built to win now. And when you're 
draft picks coming in either are not on the field because they're hurt or they're not playing to expectations. It just sets you back and you're in these cap kind of these situations, these uh, really, really tough situations where you're going to have to have these veterans be cap casualties and you don't really have a clear answer coming in right after that. So, um, yeah, this is going to be be a fascinating one, uh, Gentry. Um, that's it on, on my end. I don't know if you had anything else to add on this last talking Titans of, of the regular season, but well, I'll ask you. Um, okay, what, what's your kind of your, just your overall take on this season? We 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 do yeah. and gloomed it so far, but um, you know it's your first season here, been on the on the Titans beat, coming from Seattle. What was uh what, what's your impression? Yeah, it was, it was it was quite the roller coaster. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, I, I thought when I left Seattle, the Seahawks are, are so much known for kind of having these dramatic seasons and these dramatic games week in and week out. From the outside, it seemed like the Titans were a much more regular team. Uh, but then, you know, coming in this year and <laughs> the Julio Jones trade and and kind of everything that the injuries and and kind of the roller coaster uh, some of the games and then kind of the issues flip-flopping right the defense becomes great the offense becomes an issue um all the peaks and valleys of this season Derrick Henry missing half of the season um it was fun man it, it was a roller coaster you know it, it enjoyed it um looking forward to year two man it's yeah, it's it's been quite the journey. It's still kind of hard for me to and kind of going back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode is still it's still kind of hard for me to process that the season is over. Um, it, the the finality of it still I, I don't think I've wrapped my head around. But um, but man, it was a, it was a great season. Um, you know, I had my Mike Vrabel initiation when he came at me for. <laughs> no reason on Des Fitzpatrick in the during uh, during the preseason that that's kind of a a memory I have off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, man, it, it was a fun year. Uh, should be a, a very interesting off season. Um, and yeah, looking forward to kind of what's next. You know, it's funny. I've had uh, heard several people really go at Mike Vrabel and criticism wise. You know, a couple interviews and. 41 and 24. Brable is 41 and 24 since he uh, got to the Titans. So I, I I think it's hard for people to remember this at this point. But this is a franchise that's still very much headed in the right direction, in my opinion. I, I The quarterback issue is a real concern. The things we talked about are a real concern. But, um, you know, you went 12 and 5. There's a there's a, an awful lot of teams in that league that would trade places with the Tennessee Titans. Yep. Perspective is important. All right, well, that'll do it for this edition of Talking Titans. We hope you'll subscribe to Tennessean.com if you haven't already. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Drop us a review and a rating while you're at it. For Ben Arthur, I'm Gentry Estes, and thanks for listening all season, everybody. Thank you, guys. Talkin' Titans hosts each Thursday at Tennessean.com. You can also subscribe to Talkin' Titans for free on Apple Podcasts and Google Play. I'm Sean King. Talkin' Titans is a production of the Tennessean.
just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.